In this episode of The Full Nerd, we talk GPUs, AM4, and custom keyboard deviants. Yeah. Welcome to episode 289 of The Full Nerd, PC's Ooh. premier PC hardware podcast. I am your fill-in host, Adam Patrick Murray, and we got a full house of cool cats and kittens here today. We got uh, my co-host, uh, Brad Charkis. Hello, Brad. Hello. Welcome to Beard Fest, Joel. Beard Fest. Uh, also, you're rocking the, the full nerd shirt. Uh, it's it's a technically yes, a Christmas shirt, but I guess you celebrate Christmas all year round. I'm festive. 365 days a yeah. year, my man. Brad, <laughs> Brad, Brad Festive Charkis. Uh, we also have uh, Elena E on the line. Hello, Elena. Hello. You're here to make sure that uh, our commas are in the correct place. Uh, uh, while we talk, so I appreciate you. I'll keep doing that until AI replaces me. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Mike Ryder, uh, our, our, the person who speaks for Texas, uh, I guess is, is here. <laughs> Hello, Mike. Howdy, howdy. Welcome to Bucky's Talk Weekly. Hey, yeah. <laughs> for the pre-show, we were talking a lot about Bucky's. Speaking of Bucky's, Will Smith is here to talk. I just want to... I just want a brisket sandwich, Adam. I, I'm I'm all tasted up for brisket now. It sounds real good. Put, put me some barbecue sauce on that, and maybe a little slaw. That sounds yeah. it's a good way to spend my morning. Ah, uh, yeah. I I we should yeah we should order that for the next live build. There you go. We'll do we'll build a PC. Oh. Need some brisket. Uh, I have considered doing Ooh. a Bucky's themed PC build. Uh, and now now that I I said it live, we have to we have to do it. Wait. I, <laughs> Wait, how did that work though? Like, how, how, what's, what's the tie-in for the theme here? Like, are you actually going to be running petrol through gasoline? Through the uh, uh, get some water cooling that looked like gas. Yeah, we, gas we could do that. Yeah, yeah. We, we, get, we get the the giant beaver, you know, uh, on the face. Uh, yeah, I can, I can cut you an acrylic beaver uh, and put it on the window. There we go. Yeah. See, yeah. There's, there's, right, there's, right. there's ways to cut. I have so many ideas for theme builds this year. We, we got to start. Uh, but uh, I do want to introduce uh, running the verticals and horizontals. We got Willis Lai. Hello, Willis. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Happy February. Happy Tuesday. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping before we start. Uh, I do. Uh, I am excited to announce that uh, Will Smith is going to be joining us as a uh, a freelance video uh, talent for for the channel. Um, Will. I'm, I'm I'm glad you're 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 officially Woo-hoo. part of the PC World team. Uh, I, I am. It's funny. I spent the first ten years of my career with PC World as a mortal enemy. So I'm glad to be here, guys. <laughs> it's uh, really exciting to uh, finally join the the PC World team, and uh, I feel like this the prophecy is fulfilled. The circle is is closed, and uh, well, Gordon would say something Star Warsy here. I think yeah, so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Welcome I, to the dark side. Yeah, welcome to the dark side. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, so he, he's going to be c- kind of like Keith, who who does freelance video uh, for the channel. He's he's going to be showing up in videos. Uh, Will is is local though, so luckily we get to enjoy doing some some local videos. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. excited. So look look forward to more Will on the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I I do want to say this this is not. Uh, this is not replacing Gordon. Uh, the Gordon is is still uh, employed here. This is not you know. Uh, I I want to I I want to get ahead of it just in case anybody's like, well, what the hell? Like Gordon is still you know working on his treatments. I still text with him all the time. He's he's really excited to to get back to it when he can. Uh, but yeah, so once Gordon does come back, that means uh we get we get a little reunion of sorts too. Some some Will and Gordon videos. 
Well, once Gordon comes back, I get fired into the sun, and uh, and I'll, I'll you know it'll, it'll work itself out. Um, oh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm just I, I'm just Adam asked if if I was available to help, and it turns out I'm a little bit more available right now than I usually am. So, um, happy to come in and and and, and help you guys out. Yeah, I, I, I had some money in my Love hand. Have you? Yeah, I had yeah. some money in my hand, and I shook it at him uh, and and said, "Please, can I give this to you?" And he Wait, said, "Okay, old- sure." My only my only requirement was that that you have one of those fan booths and you just when I come in for a video, you put the money in there and then it's whatever I can grab is what I get to take home. Right. Tornado money booths. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're agreeing to that. OK. Yeah. I mean, that'll be fun. Right. Everybody loves that. Yeah, right. Have you guys tried uh, that before? Uh, no, I've never tried one. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe we need to figure that out. Wow. So anyway, go, Gordon. Gordon's excited. I mean, Gordon knows this news. We, we've been chatting about it, too, obviously. Uh, you and Gordon go way back, so he, he's excited to to do some stuff with you, too, when he can return, and yeah, all, all fun stuff. So anyway, just wanted yeah. to put that out there. Oh, yeah, and uh, Boria Zero says, now you're a PC World shill. Uh, so there you go. You're done. <laughs> I, I got to start buying merch. I'm, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get on it. <laughs> there you go. Um, we have nice shirts. Yeah, I know. That's what I heard. Uh, not as good as Bucky shirts, but you know, that's, that's <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, also, uh, you know, we keep getting sidetracked after last week's discussion, or maybe or maybe it was a couple weeks ago where we talked about uh, having bigger, bar better as a shirt design. We are actively mm. in the works of doing that. Uh, some fine folks in Discord, thank nice. you, tried to help us figure out the uh, the Latin phrasing. Uh, we got really uh, hung up on bar. Because uh, there's so many ways you can, uh, you know, say bar. There was like a, a word for like pillar or like, you know, some sort of structure kind um, of thing. Yeah. And but we realized like actually if you think about it, it's more like bigger measurement better. So uh, I can't remember the, the word. I don't know, Elena, if you have the words. I think it's like me. I, I don't I don't know how to say anything in Latin. So it's like major malleus something. So, yeah. So b- bigger yeah, measurement it's like a, it's, better. It's, it's, uh, it's really great, too, because it's like alliterative. It's all M words. So Ooh. it kind of flows really nicely. Uh, yeah. The editor and me was really happy about that. <laughs> so hopefully we'll we'll have some uh, bigger bar better shirts uh, in, coming in the future anyway. Uh, but also coming in the future is GPUs. So um, let's switch over to odd new GPUs. This is, is kind of a, a weird little topic, but there, there was a little smattering of GPUs that kind of uh, caught my interest <clears throat> over the past week. Uh, I thought we'd talk about. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, the first up is uh, NVIDIA has uh, has silently dropped a RTX 3050 6 gigabyte version. Um, this is a card that uh, kind of released with little fanfare. Uh, uh, Brad, did you get an official briefing on this or anything? Nope, or? I don't think anybody did. Nope, yep. just woke up to the news one morning. Woke up and, and there you go, a, a brand new GPU. So uh, there are some reviews out there, uh, some testing. Um, like I, I, I think I linked out to... Uh, uh, video cards. There's a link in the description, uh, kind of talking about some uh, some testing that was done by Computer Base, um, kind of comparing it to a 3058 gig version. Uh, and uh, not only is it a uh, a drop by two uh, uh, gigs in in VRAM, but it is actually a different die, uh, less CUDA cores, uh, less memory bandwidth, I, I believe as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, so this is definitely a cut down 3050. This is not just a 3050 with two less gigs of VRAM. Uh, Brad, what, what's what's your take on this card? Who's this for? Uh, my first off the cuff take is I hate the name. They shouldn't have called it a 3050. 
because it is very much not the 3050 that we already have had for what three or four years now yep <clears throat> but uh i can see why they called it that because this is following in the legacy of you know the 750 the 1050 the 1650 where yes the specs are cut down but the big draw here is it doesn't need any external power connectors so you can just slot this right into your pcie slot if you have a you know, a pre-built PC that comes with one of those janky, crappy, no-name power supplies <laughs> that don't have any extra The Gordon Special. You could... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't derail me on that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can take this and just slap it right into your PC, and you could be playing games pretty quick. Uh, Hardware-wise, it has, I think, about 20% less CUDA cores and associated things than the stock 3050 mm -hmm. uh it also has a much lower power draw so this won't perform nearly as well as the base 3050 but for something you can just slap into any computer and start playing games it supports dlss so that's great uh you know it looks pretty compelling if you're one of those people who need a graphics card with no extra power connectors because there's nothing else like that on the market right now yeah, and it's uh, it seems to be priced starting at a uh, 170 US dollars, uh, which is in line with the the 1630 and uh, the 1650 was a, a little cheaper because that was pre-pandemic prices. Uh, but I mean, it it is more powerful than those cards. Uh, so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but obviously less power the powerful than a actual 3050. Um, w one of the cool designs, uh, you know, I mean. Uh, trying to think of some good takeaways from here. Uh, one of the cool designs, uh, Mike, you, you wrote an article about a uh, a version that actually had a, a passive heatsink. Uh, can you tell us more about that one? It is the same card with a passive heatsink. That's all there is to it. It's it's exactly the same design. Uh, as far as I can tell, the same amount of power and capability with just a huge amount of uh, of passive cooling on there. The same company, Palette, made almost the same card for i think the 1650 mm. uh, it might even be the same cooler which is maybe the the die moved around a little bit no oh. um so if you want like if you're trying to build a fanless pc that can just you know double as a radiator or you want something that's much quieter and you also have very good airflow it, it, it would be a good solution i haven't seen anywhere but it's actually on sale yet so i don't know what they're asking for it Probably a little bit of a premium over the over the standard design, mm. but it's it's pretty cool that they can do that with something that is as powerful as a thirty fifty, or a little less, as it were. Do we know if this has a AV one encoders on? on it board? does not. Oh, okay. Yeah, it won't because AV one encoder came to the forty series, so it's not baked into uh, okay. that architecture. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the cool thing about this is it is the first fifty class card to. RTX. So, you know, this kind of card is already going to struggle with frame rates a bit, but a lot of games support DLSS now. And while DLSS doesn't look that great at 1080p resolution, if you just need faster frames, if you need more performance, like this is the first sub $200 card to support it. So that that's another perk. So so you can render it like what 720p and internally and get 1080p at, at a decent frame rate. Like that that's yeah. that's kind of that's kind of amazing for a sub two hundred dollar card. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like a lot of people are dumping on this card, but I think it has a lot of value for the people who need no power connectors. 
Yeah. It's, it's and a- it, it, it also supports like, uh, you know, NVIDIA broadcast and all that kind of stuff. Not that you would really be streaming on a 3050 cut down version like this, but, well, but you know, the, if you're doing your, if you're doing your work meetings and stuff, yeah, 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 then you can use RTX broadcast. You can use NVIDIA Reflex, which personally I like more than DLSS. So, you know, there's a lot of perks associated with this. That's the first time we've ever seen it in a 50 class. It's a bummer because the, um, what was it, the 2060, they they did a late late refresh 2060 that was an Ampere core, which was the same same core as the 3000 series. So I was kind of hopeful when this dropped that it might be like ADAs that couldn't pass CERT and we'd get AV1 and all the kind of mm. DLSS3 stuff yeah. on, on with that. But it looks like this is the straight Ampere part, which is, which is I mean, I, yeah. it, it's fine. Last time we got something kind of for free on the on the on the late model late model refreshes. So, well, yeah, yeah. I it, think I think it's really hard for Nvidia to get the cutting edge TSMC chips into sub two hundred bucks. So I'm glad to see LSS and RTX on a on affordable option. Yeah. Well, and I I was hoping for uh, I mean even on Nvidia's website it says bring ray tracing AI powered RTX platform to even more gamers and creators. Uh, so they they definitely call out the creation parts. That's why I was hoping maybe it would have some sort of AV one. But uh, I mean CUDA, you know, uh, I uh, one of the spots when the A750 no, yeah the A A no no, no uh, A580 came out. Uh, I heard some people using it as a second add in card. Uh, to be able to, yep. you know, like accelerate certain uh, work programs. And I was like, okay, to a certain degree, like maybe that's a good spot for this as well uh, to, you know, be a second card in your, your work system to accelerate certain things. Um, uh, yeah, I guess, if, but hmm. that that's what I, I would want to kind of bring even in and in, check it out. I can see it being useful even in cheap work desktops, to be honest, because a, a lot of companies don't need pure GPU brunt, but being able to use DLSS and ray tracing and stuff in real time even though it'll be slower than you would get on a 4080 or whatever would be useful for a whole lot of applications and there's and plenty there's, of creator yeah you know notebooks out there that already have 3050s because they just need those features they don't necessarily need the graphics horsepower yeah what are you saying well sorry, i didn't mean to cut oh, no you no no, no you're fine i was just i was gonna say the same thing i was like look there's there's gpu acceleration in photoshop now right photoshop and premiere and your creative suite stuff that that you benefit from having a dedicated gpu on and and this is like assuming the memories there's enough memory to I, I i actually i don't know what the low end looks like on those on those applications and it'd be interesting to kind of explore well actually i i do have a, a test coming out soon to talk about creative mm. stuff on on gps so yeah yeah we'll we'll uh we'll get to that at some point um another uh well anything else on the the 3050 um nothing okay nope. um so mm-hmm. another thing to to kind of uh chat about what i thought was interesting uh speaking of palette uh i linked this in the description there's a tom's hardware article um that i linked to uh somebody tore down a uh, palette version of an rtx 4080 super that shows uh, PCB traces for two 8-pin power connectors uh, alongside the the 16-pin 12-volt high power or 12-volt uh, 2x6. Uh, they, the, the actual connector that's on board is the 12-volt 2x6. That's what they use, but the actual traces are there for two 8-pin, uh, meaning that at some point it was spec'd out that way. But, I mean, I, th- I think per official NVIDIA guidelines like you have to have the 12 volt high power on on specific models right you can't just be like ah we're gonna do either or i'm not sure if that's ever been said officially uh-huh. i wouldn't be surprised 
if that was the case, at the very least, they strongly, strongly encourage it to their partners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not, you know, they could, uh, a, a card like that, they could have designed this, like a generic-ish PCB to use with other graphics cards too and just kept it for this. So there's all kinds of reasons they could have had that. The, the, they also could have been designing this board when the 12-volt the, the power connector was having the meltdown problems and they were yeah. like, hey, let's hedge because we can decide which part to put on later. Um, you know, in, in case this all blows up and there's strong negative, like having two eight pins could be an advantage if if things had gone worse with the twelve volt meltdowns last year. Yeah, yeah very good point. Yeah, and I, I, I'm curious to see uh, if uh, I'm trying to read this article. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see if somebody can actually uh, take those traces and and solder on connections so that we actually see it running. Uh, I don't know what kind of engineering work that would take, but that'd be kind of interesting. Um, they, the, the article, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. They, the article go does ahead. point out that uh, uh, there are vendors like Maxson that the, uh, that uh, here quote, I'm quoting the article. Uh, However, vendors like Maxson uh, defy the re- requisite and use two eight pin PCI power connectors on the brands GeForce RTX 4070 super iCraft end quote. Uh, so, yeah, there there are certain vendors out there that that will use the traditional uh, eight pin power connectors rather than the twelve volt. I, I think uh, it made sense when things were melting down and it was new, but I think the those sixteen pin connectors, the twelve two by six or whatever it's called, get an unnecessary amount of hate. Like they work just fine. You you take these graphics cards, you plug them in, you put them in your PC, and you're not going to touch it for years. Like. It works just fine. I think people like yes, two by eight works, but they all come with adapters in the thing. So um, I do hate the official Nvidia adapter because it's too short. You can't help but see this big, ugly, clunky thing coming out of your card if you care about cable management. But functionally, they work just fine. Like people should not be clinging to eight pins just because that's what it's always been. I mean, we have somebody in the chat. Uh, Braden says, uh, "I'm never touching a twelve volt high power card, honestly." So, yeah. Well, but but I mean, the just to be clear, I mean, it was a bad design because people were able to insert it badly. But the the problem wasn't a fault of the card; it was that people didn't get them all the way connected, and they had weak weak connections, and then that that's what caused the heating issues, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you know, pe- pe- you know, uh, there there's uh, we've had plenty of de- debates about it around it. You know, is that a a, a uh, training thing obviously it's a new connector people just need to be kind of more understanding of how to use it or some people just say oh well the connector should not have that that bad of tolerances to begin with uh, i mean i think there's valid you know talking points on both sides i mean personally i think there's also the talking point of the adapter uh kind of situation because i know a lot of those situations where there was something that melted it was from the adapters uh, be it the ones including in boxes or third-party adapters like um, cable mod, right? Uh, so that that's a whole other thing. I have used a lot of cards with the 12-volt high-power uh, connector, but I'm using an actual ATX 3.0 power supply. So, you know, I'm, I'm using a, a actual spec power supply as well, and I have never run into any problems. I, I know other GPU reviewers, too, that have said, hey, listen, we know it could t- potentially be a problem, but they, you know, people who use a lot of the GPUs have also just never, never seen too much. So, you know. Well, yeah. I think that new 2v6 model has, uh, they've had some slight engineering changes to make it 
so it locks in. Yep. So and that's yeah. what really should have been there in the first place. Also, so I do I, like I put that issue with that. I think the connector was not properly designed to begin with, but I think they've cleared up those issues now. I agreed. I, I do also like that the Asus models, uh it start I can't remember the very first one I saw, but it has trickled down to all the models. Or I, I believe it's all the models, I think JJ had said all the models that have 12 volt high power have a red uh, LED indicator light to say if it's correctly plugged in or not um, yep. to be able to help with that. Obviously, MSI had the 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 ones that we saw at Computex where the, the tips were yellow. So if any of it was kind of unseated, you could clearly see that it was not uh, seated. So, you know, people have worked around it. I mean, if they can put a light on, then they can do the thing that, that when when external GPU power was new and you'd plug in your video card, it, if it, if you didn't have the external power plugged in, it would either throw a giant error before the BIOS started on the on the screen that was like, yo, you didn't plug in your power, turn off the computer and plug this in. Or I think AMD would just make this horrific beeping noise. Oh, it would it would be like really? a loud piezo beeping that was just like. Eh, eh. <laughs> I kind of like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, so, you like, didn't insert it properly. <laughs> yeah. There's there's better solutions. I like the light, but but do something really obnoxious. Let people know they made a mistake. <laughs> Wait, are there even any speakers anymore on motherboards? Well, you can put a pie. Like the piezos are tiny. They're like the size of a dime. So they could put any. It would cost three cents though. So you I know, know that's... but I just don't. I don't think that's on there right now. So well, uh, yeah, no. the 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 headers on the motherboard specifically are there, and I know that because when we built. Uh, Brad Shoemaker's box. He specifically wanted to plug in. He he had these little uh, uh, little speakers that that he had bought. He he sent oh, me yeah. a link to it. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to yeah. plug in I mean, the it's motherboard. Like, <laughs> some of them still carry over legacy stuff. I'm just saying it's not standardized. So I'm not. I agree with Will that it should be a little bit more obvious. But I think we'd have to like bring back old old tech for it well, to happen. Uh, on the on the video cards that did that, I think the Paizo was on the card itself. It wasn't on. Oh, it wasn't okay. relying on the PC speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe it's a, a recording of Jensen uh, saying, "Hey, plug it in better." Um, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, um, we have uh, one more quick uh, little odd GPU kind of thing. Um, we saw this at CES. The MSI. 4080 Super Expert Edition. We kind of noted that was like one of the first uh, um, cards uh, in the Super lineup that actually had a new design and a new shroud to it. Really beautiful card. And a uh, uh, friend, Paul, over at Paul's Hardware, uh, he actually got it in to, to do some reviewing. I mean, the review is what you expect, you know, for, for a third-party AIB versus the, um, the Stock Founders Edition. But... Uh, I just love that design. That is a, a beautiful oh, design. Oh, it's sexy. Oh, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Will, have you got a chance to, to look at that MSI expert? I'm looking at it right now. It's a fancy, it's a fancy lad. Yeah. It's, it's a nice looking. Yeah. I don't know about the full shroud though. Yeah. The, the, the shroud is like, I don't, I actually don't think it's one piece, uh, that wraps around the whole thing, but it is, nope. uh, um, seamless at least, uh, you know, to to have a the the look of like one continuous shroud design uh, across the across the whole card. <clears throat> the look the, the I, flow I, it, it has the flow through design audio or um, fans just like the founders edition, where you know a fan on each side to to flow through the the air. Uh, but it is a unique design for for sure. I, I'm old enough. I look at the shroud designs, and I'm I'm like, where's the dust going to get jammed in this thing that I'm going to have to blow out in six months? <laughs> and and that grate looks really pretty new, 
but in in six months it's going to look like a dead cat in there and i'm i'm i don't know i'm i'm a little worried about it it, it, it seems like a dusting problem to me adam yeah maybe 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 uh I like it. i like it it's basically like a nicer looking founders edition and founders edition cards they go out of stock real quick so i'm yeah. actually kind of glad just for the functionality of the thing i'm glad msi put this out because if you design like uh, Falcon Northwest purposefully usually designs around Pounder's edition because the way the airflow works. Uh, so to be able to have it from a third party is good because NVIDIA does not put much out into the supply. Yeah, and no, I, I will say probably maybe one of the only downsides is that it is actually heavier than the the Founder's edition card as well. Uh <laughs> Because it's it's a it's a heavy it's a heavy GPU. So yeah, uh, somebody in the chat said it's it's begging. Oh, here Liquidar, front of the show. Liquidar says uh, it's begging to be ver- vertically mounted uh, to show it off, and because it's probably really heavy. So <laughs> I didn't I didn't tweet much when I was at CES one because I'm not on Twitter very much anymore these days. But that is the one thing that I tweeted out that week. I'm just like, God, this thing is beautiful. Nice, I did. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a little smattering of, of GPU news. Uh, I, I am still, um, we, we have the numbers finished for the 4070 Ti Super and the 4070 Super. Uh, Brad, I know you're, you're working on a write-up for the, the website. Uh, I'm actually going to be making a video with, uh, Will soon to, to go over, uh, the testing numbers, uh, for, for the video side as well. So we'll, we'll get some of those numbers up. Uh, and I do have, I think, uh, Gigabyte is sending me, um, a 4070 super as well so i'll have a, a aib version of that uh on hand to to poke around and, and maybe i'll maybe i'll bug msi for one of these expert cards uh i would love to try to get my hands on that is, is this the end of video card month it seems like it's been Ugh. nothing non-stop gpus since cs <clears throat> well i i haven't oh. i haven't tested the the 7600 xt yet either so i need to start working on that but yeah <laughs> i'm a little Thanks late for to doing it. my work adam no no no, no. uh I, yeah so we're, you know there, there's stuff going on but in terms of releases we actually did a couple of videos with uh uh at, at the show floor one of them being with a uh, friend of the show over at tom's hardware <clears throat> um uh jared jared yes thank jared. you jared walton uh talking about you know hey this is probably the last new video cards we're going to see until at least Computex. I, I can't imagine another release hitting uh, before then. So, you know, who knows what we'll see at Computex? Maybe 5000 series, maybe something on Battle Mage. Um, who knows? But at, at least at this point, the, these are the cards, you know, for the next number of months that, that are going to be available on shelves. So good. I need a break. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we all need breaks. We all need breaks. Uh, you know, you know what else needs a break uh, is uh, AM4. Uh, that Ooh. that thing, you know, that is, thing has been working hard for many, many years. Uh, and we were talking before the show. I remember when the uh, 5800X3D came out. Gordon and I kind of sat down to plan out a video on that. Uh, and there was, of course, the testing that he had done. He was actually uh, late on it. Um, uh, so instead of just doing a straight review, I was like, you know, we were kind of like, hey, maybe, maybe we make this more like a piece of like, you know, the final send off for AM4. And if you go back and watch that video now, it was it was him. You know, he did some testing with an 1800X, a 3800X uh, and a 5800X 3D or, or oh, and a 2700X, I think. Or I can't remember. Anyway essentially the video if you go back and, and and watch it now the wording was like oh yeah this is the final send-off of am4 and look at all these great times we had uh and then all of a sudden you know uh amd continues to release 
AM4 based CPUs. Uh, I'm not dead. Yeah, yeah, I'm not dead yet. So yeah, it's merely a flesh wound. Um, yeah, so yeah, AM4. Uh, I mean, we got the the recent release of the the 5700 X3D. A couple good videos I watched. Uh, Steve of over at uh, Gamers Nexus, and also a, a review video on hardware unboxed. A 5700 X3D kind of does sit between a 5600 X3D was, which was unfortunately Micro Center only, and then a 5800 X3D. Uh, you're getting you're getting way close to the performance of a 5800 X3D, uh, but at pricing. Uh, that is is lower depending on you know what kind of deals that are found there uh so yeah it is it is an impressive little part um yeah any anyone have uh excited thoughts about the seventy fifty seven hundred x three d i mean if Gordon were here, we would probably have a per a very long conversation about why I'm still <laughs> recommending a m four systems to people, but to me honestly for that price what i think it What's the MSRP like? Two fifty, two sixty. Oh, yeah, two sixty. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's already like thirty dollars cheaper than what we've seen for the fifty eight hundred X three D. And honestly, most people who are doing gaming only don't really need like the the full power of a fifty eight hundred X three D. So I mean, you shave off another thirty bucks or so. I mean, you can put that towards a nicer motherboard. You can upgrade your RAM, like maybe get a slightly nicer version of the graphics card that you want. You can have yourself a real nice system. And looking at those performance numbers, like I really don't think you're going to miss that much because at least in the games they were testing, you're getting pretty high frame rates already. So unless you're running a really high refresh uh, monitor, you're not really going to miss those frames. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I... I actually landed the write-up for PC World based on Gordon's testing for like looking over all the generations of AM4. I think the headline was something like it bookends this era. So like we thought at that time it was <laughs> over. Really and I, I'm I'm actually really happy that my basically like my favorite band's like, no, we actually didn't disband. We're gonna have a, like a oh, little yeah. intimate reunion uh <laughs> tour here and there. So if you happen to be in, I don't know, Fresno, California, we're here hanging out. <laughs> Come join right? us. I mean, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Every once in a while, I'll look around at you know, con- car, concerts that are happening in the Bay Area, and I'm like, oh, Def Leppard is still playing? Okay, cool. That's awesome. You know, keep keep yeah. going, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, it. Correction, it is uh, 250 is the MSRP. Oh. So, uh, you know, I'm sure, okay. I'm I sure we'll like see pricing. Right around that. That's even better. 40 right? bucks. And this is not limited. Uh, yeah, and this is not limited to uh, Micro Center. This is a... Uh, wide distribution. Uh, mm-hmm. I did have a good chat um, with um, AMD at at CES. Um, crap, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'm horrible with names. I'm sorry. Uh, but one of the things I was I was asking, and I've always kind of asked uh, AMD, is like, hey, does releasing new CPUs on AM4 and giving people good op, you know, <laughs> options to either upgrade or buy into AM4, is that like essentially taking the knees out of AM5? Uh, and you know, AMD positioning has always been like, Hey, we just want the right hardware for the right person. And yeah, there are a lot of people who can get AM4 based systems, whether they're upgrading, maybe they, they bought in early to AM4, then they can kind of in place upgrade or buy AM4 though. I, I do actually believe there are reasons to buy AM4 brand new, uh, right now. Uh, but 
at the same time. I mean, there there is potential to to get into AM5. And sure, the platform total platform cost with the motherboard and the RAM DDR5 is going to be a little bit higher. You know, you do future proof for yourself. But at the same time, I mean, if a lot of people buy a CPU uh, motherboard and RAM combo and aren't going to do any sort of upgrading and just say, hey, you know, by the time next time I'm going to upgrade my CPU and motherboard, I'm going to upgrade the whole thing anyway. Uh, the AM6. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think there's opportunity there for sure. Well, the, the other thing it does is it keeps that generation alive. So, like, if you look what happens with Intel as they get, de- you know, they they the old the old stuff goes away, the prices dip for a little bit, and then after a while, you reach a point where people have sock, you know, have those machines, and their CPU dies, they need to replace the hardware, and then the CPU prices start going back up again for those old sockets. And like by dumping a new part out a year after the last one landed, AMD is basically saying, "Yo, we don't want that to happen. We want the price for these motherboards to continue being, you know, two hundred, two hundred fifty, two three hundred dollars, whatever." Um, which is fantastic for people who have AM4 boards and want to continue having upgrade path out of them. I, I, I'm, I love this. This is fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really I think cool to see. I'll just say real quick. It's really cool to see that a that AMD has made good on its what it said uh, that it was going to keep supporting AM4 because you know a lot of times companies say that and you know resources are limited. You know things happen and usually there's just kind of this like drop off and you never kind of see much from that again and no like was it two years later almost a year and a half for we're seeing mm. seeing for that uh come to the fruition there yeah and i did ask amd in in that in that uh interview at ces like hey what is the point when you're done with aim for how do you know when you're done uh and at least in the interview they you know they indicated that it was it was DDR4 pricing. Right now, DDR4 pricing is still mm. uh, it's it's still at a good spot. Uh, you know, it's still readily readily available in a lot in a lot of situations. It's cheaper than DDR5. Uh, also, I mean, there maybe you still have some sticks that you bought early on, and and it's still doing well for you. And and that at that point, when the total platform cost of AM4 is probably more than it is to get in on AM5, then that's probably when they're you know they'll be like, oh, okay, we're we're, we're probably done. Um, releasing new stuff, but I mean, yeah. I think it's crazy. interesting having this and the new 3050 on the same show because I think it kind of shows, like I was saying earlier, cutting edge chips are so expensive. Like, people overlook the fact that TSMC's profit has jumped like 30% over the last two years. They're charging way more money to the chip makers to make these chips. So I think this is kind of the norm of what we're going to see going forward. The budget options are going to be variants from last gen technology that are still good but they are able to be made now at a price that you can offer that you can't do with the latest and greatest so i think we're seeing that with the 3050 i think we're seeing it with this i think it's intel's its own beast because they make their own chips but i think this is going to probably be the new norm going forward well and as as much as we love talking about the latest and greatest features and yeah of course if Gordon were here he'd he'd probably be poo-pooing on aim for all day and night uh you know and be like why would you buy into an old platform um <laughs> don't want to speak for him but that's you know if i had to guess if i had to guess yeah to guess <laughs> yeah um that uh but uh, man I, I lost my train of thought thinking about Gordon uh, he's just so distracting <laughs> like that uh, <laughs> um yeah, I don't. I don't remember what I was going to say, but I, I, I just, I, I do like that the it is an option, uh, and I, I do, you know, I, I actually don't think 
the investment cost in AM5 is is like that much more, especially when you think about what you could get in return. Uh, but if you're like, hey, you know what? I, I see the performance of 5800X3D or 5700X3D. I just want to buy that because I know what it is. You know, there, there are a ton of options out there. It is stable, you know, and, and it, it can run all, all day and night for the thing that, that I want to do with it. Go go for it. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, we love the latest and greatest stuff, of course. But, like, there are plenty of people who don't need the latest and greatest. And, and something like this can completely... Uh, you know do fine uh for for a long time uh I, somebody in the chat sorry i i saw it uh breeze by here uh, somebody had said like oh hey you know they're probably just going to skip am5 altogether because am4 is just so good um <laughs> for for their use cases so yeah i i dig it yeah it's not the latest and greatest and it's damn good and i am encouraged finally between cards like this new 3050 and we have the ARC A750 for under 200 bucks. you can get now. Now, this is a very good CPU for $250, the 5700X 3D. Uh, we are finally back where you could get a really, really good gaming PC for under 700 bucks, maybe 600 bucks if you cut some corners. And it's been a long time since we could say that, so I'm pumped about it. Yep. Yeah. I hope that lasts for a little bit, though, because, you know, there's been all these rumblings on the horizon about RAM going up. SSDs going up, so yeah, buy those yeah. now if you're looking to. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Is, is the RAM specifically over DDR5, or do you think it's going to hit DDR4 as well? It's uh, just NAND chips yeah. in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. huh? Okay, well, crazy. Um, all right, yeah, AM4 it continues to 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 keep going. I do wonder. Last question I have here. I do wonder, is AM5 going to be as have this kind of longevity as AIM-4. Do, do we think AIM-5 is, you know, I mean, because officially they've said, what, I think through 2025 support for that socket? That's that's the official number so but, far, yeah. But that's next year, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, like, we're, we're, we're rapidly approaching it. Uh, you know, if, yeah. Could, hmm. At this I, point, though, I feel like it's too hard to follow up immediately on mm-hmm. this. You know what I mean? Like, Someone else in the chat, I'm sorry, I, I lost the name as well, um, said something about how, like, this, like, AM4 is the GOAT. Like, it's just, like, at this point, who's going to compare? Like, how are they going to compare to this? Like, they, they just have, they would have to exactly replicate this kind of experience. And I feel like that's a really hard act to follow. Right. And honestly, if I were, if I were AMD, and I've said this before in the past about how, sorry, I've said in the past that I want to see a follow-up on this but realistically if you set people's expectations a little too high you kind of get yourself uh you know shoehorned into a thing that everyone's going to expect and so i could actually see them purposely not doing this just so that people don't always expect out of them Mm. expect it out of them so that way they have more room in the future to be like okay like this one we want to you know kind of cut off a little earlier but this one's working out well so we'll hang on to it I don't know. I, I think it's a really hard act to follow. I mean, I don't it, think we should expect seven years, right? That's where we're at on AM4. Yeah, like that seems, right? yeah. Oh, wow. Four, yeah. four, six, six years, seven years? Yeah, 2017, yeah. wasn't it, right? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That was the first AM4, yeah. 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 yeah so, wow. so to me, seven years feels like a bless. Like we're lucky we got this far, right? Mm. We should, we should expect. I, I think as long as we're seeing multiple generations in one socket, I'm going to continue being happy. Okay. Um, and if it's if if we make it all the way through DDR5 on AM5, that sounds that 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 is that's then consider ourselves blessed. 
Yeah, I do, but yep. to, to your I, point, Elena, I do wonder: is this is this AMD's 1080 Ti? Are, are they always going to look back and be like, "Oh man, nothing was ever that good as as you know back in the day, back in 1080 Ti? That was awesome!" Oh man, <laughs> we are squeezing in all the controversial yeah. comments that we know we can get away with, Gordon. <laughs> I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if AMD didn't even plan for this lasting this long. Like I think oh, these chips that we're seeing coming out now are a product of the weirdness of the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if they take a similar approach whenever they do switch to AM6. But yeah, like Will said, I don't think you can ever expect seven years. I don't think AMD expected mm-hmm. it to be. Yeah, I mean, DDR5 was definitely delayed because of pandemic stuff. And that that pushed, yeah. I'm sure that pushed all of the slots back. And, and, and we, we saw it in an Intel side too, with the 12th, 13th, 14th generation all, you know, being surprisingly similar let's say <laughs> um yeah so so i think we're in the same boat on amd yeah we, we got a couple people in the chat uh tan may says uh four years is fine if you can get a significant uplift um who is this uh uh yeah five five to six years is good enough uh yeah i'm 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 curious I think to even see that's what pretty optimistic think, yeah. i i honestly think going by years is a bit um a bit i don't want to say disingenuous but i don't i think it misses the point i think the fact that we got four generations Mm -hmm. out of a single socket is really what makes this so special and the fact that this final generation is still having chips produced for it way beyond what we would normally expect out of the window for a given generation is what makes this so special so like we could see three generations in a shorter amount of years or even if they were to go that far, four generations in a shorter amount of years, because they hopefully True. knock True. on all the wood in the world, no more pandemics for a while, <laughs> uh, <laughs> disrupting everything. So to me, it's the amount of generations we've gotten out of one socket and how long even the last one's kind of still breathing, still having its a final you know time on Earth is the most impressive part because like we've talked about before like how intel is like yeah technically this is three generations in one socket and we're like and i think that's what what is the uh the defining factor is for what makes this you know wow greatest full time status (laughs) well we do have a a interesting question uh satnav friend of the show satnav says uh would the would the amd approach create more or less e-waste than other brands um I, mean, I, I don't. I think that the amount of people in the market who are upgrading CPUs inside is the same PC is probably small enough that it's going to be negligible across the the broader market. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Like no, m- most people, myself included, like I don't. I don't. Once generally, once I build a machine, the CPU that's in it is the CPU that's going to be in it when it goes to e waste, and I might change graphics cards and storage and all the other stuff. But I, I, I think that's pretty. I think I'm I'm at the high end of upgradability on the on the broader market, unfortunately. Yeah. Um and then one uh, thing that one thing that's worth noting real quick that I meant to bring up earlier is uh talking about longevity of AM five. One of the initial issues with AM four was there's like a memory chip in the board that holds all the different, you know, the chips SKUs and support for them. And one of the big issues early is they just released too many CPUs and they didn't have enough space on that chip. AM five they either doubled or tripled the size of memory on that chip. So they at least set the base to be able to upgrade for a good long time with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also another good question, uh, friend of the show, Ivan over on discord asked why, <laughs> why is AM4 praised for its longevity, but ATX should go. 
<laughs> Once again, another another question for Gordon. Wow. I would say though, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about you know six, seven years versus twenty plus years. Uh, so, uh, yeah. But Adam, your next machine is going to be B- BTX machine for sure. I know you're yeah, going to. I wish you get that central shoot going. You know, see, it, it it is the trend lately to do sleeper PCs, right? But usually they're not in uh, BTX systems. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, follow. Uh, well, not a follow up, but second part of the question: Isn't it great to have a motherboard that can fit into a twenty year old PC case? I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, yeah, we've we've had this debate plenty of times. <laughs> good good question for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think it's more like AM4 isn't holding that platform back because now we have AM5 and that's a viable option where ATX, you know, Gordon would argue it's that specification is holding us back from being able to grow into something else. Um, so, yeah. That's, Good way to sum it up. That was right? perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, in in less words and probably less ranting than Gordon can do. Uh, but <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be the same without Gordon's friends. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's move on to our third topic. Uh, aim for you know who knows maybe maybe it'll be the last chips. Maybe we'll have another topic coming coming later about it. Uh, but the last topic is about uh, keyboard. Let, let me use the right word. Uh, deviance. Perverts. No. 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 Let's you know. Brad. Trying so hard. We just lost all right our away. sponsorships. Wow. That's yeah. it. Oh. Demonetized <laughs> instantly. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Hold on. Oh, you were going to sponsor the show? Oh no. But you, oh, because Brad just said <laughs> pervert. Uh, ah, dang it. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Here we go again. But <laughs> Gordon can get away with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're going to call them deviance freaks. I don't know. Uh, this this all started because Will was like, oh hey, uh, you know you. You're using a, a a fancy weird keyboard. Uh, you were talking about some drop stuff. Uh, like I feel like we're all in different spots when it comes to keyboards. Uh, so maybe first, let's go around and just kind of describe where we're at with keyboards. Brad, start with you because I actually don't know your what are your thoughts on keyboards and where where you sit in the deviant uh, <laughs> spectrum. I. Obviously, I always use gaming key- keyboards. Uh, I had been a long-term user of the Razer Black Widow with blue switches because, mm. you know, I'm a journalist. So I like the click-clacky sound. But Mike recently sent me the Keychron Q, I believe it is, Mike? Q5, I think, is the model I sent you. Q5, and that, ooh, baby, go buy one of those. <laughs> They're very, very nice. <laughs> Turned me into a keyboard pervert. Yeah, he's just digging the hole, digging the hole. Uh, Elena, uh, please sh- share with the fine folks where, where you sit on the, the deviant uh, spectrum. I'm probably very not deviant because I am still rocking. Uh, I went back to my gold touch keyboard, which is just plastic and rubber dome switches. Rubber uh, dome. The reason why, the wow. reason why is because, so Kreider very nicely asked me uh, to uh, review one of the, the Keychron uh, ergonomic keyboards. And it's amazing. I love that. Like if the, the, the switches feel so good. <laughs> the problem is I have a walking treadmill and every time I'm on that treadmill, I get shocked using that keyboard. I'm like, oh, no. uh. <laughs> uh, so I had to switch. I actually started getting worried about the keyboard because I was actually working through the static electricity shocks. Cause I'm like, it's beautiful. I'm going to keep using this. And then every, and then it started to get to a point where like half the keyboards lights would go out. I'm like, uh Oh, like I don't want to short out <laughs> this keyboard. It's too nice. <laughs> so I switched off of it. 
uh, it's, it's probably something bigger you might need to address uh, yeah. at some point rather than later, but... Uh, Okay, uh, I I would call you a deviant in a certain certain ways because you do like split keyboard designs. You do like more ergonomical keyboards traditionally. Yeah, right? but that's not deviancy. Well, I would say that's that's you know different than a, a normal just flat boring keyboard. Uh, I mean, I guess. Yeah, good finger health is not deviancy, Adam. <laughs> uh, true, true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should be the norm. Is uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, exactly. Uh, Will, I'm going to go to you next. Uh, what what is what is your spot on the spectrum? Yeah, so I I um I switched to mechanicals like ten eight ten years ago now, um with some of the early kit ones, and then Logitech sent me a um their first wave of mechanicals to kind of get feedback, and I was like, oh, these are pretty good, these are nice gaming keyboards, and then a few years ago I I bought a drop control, which is like their ten keyless um hot swappable switches, the whole thing. And then my wrist started hurting again because I was doing more writing. So I backed the Keyboardio Model 100 Kickstarter a few years ago, and I got that. It's a columnar, meaning all the keys are aligned in columns, uh, split ergo, and I couldn't use it. I was incapable of typing on it. So I, I put it in the box, and I left it over there. And now that I have a little more free time for the next little bit, I took it out last week, and I started learning to use it again. Uh, and I had, I've had i had to like go essentially back to typing school because it turns out I was using the wrong fingers for all the YHNs, TGBs. Like I wasn't, I thought I was a touch typer and I was cheating my entire life. Um, and I'm, I'm back up to like 50 words a minute now uh, oh. with this thing after about a week and a half. Uh, but it is it has been it is incredibly it, it has been incredibly challenging challenging going from a thing that I don't have to think about and it just feels like an extension of my brain to having to think about how to make words on on the screen again. Um, but, but like my my hands are happier, I guess. I don't know. Words suck. Uh, uh, yeah. Is that still a QWERTY layout? But just like slightly like shifted around. Well, it's, a bit? Pro- it's programmable. Here, I'll hold it up so you can see. It's going to be upside down, but. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's QWERTY layout. You can program it. I mean, you can do Colmac or Dorak or, or, or whatever you want. Um, and everything's programmable. You can do layers like you can on like programmer keyboards. So there's this palm, there's this palm switch that you hit and it shifts either down a layer, down two layers or locks between layers. So for example, my space button, all the, all the function keys are on your thumb instead of on your pinky and kind of underneath where you, they're hard to access. So like I have control space shift and alt on my left thumb and I can switch back and forth between them to, to do those. But when I hit the function key and hit space then it becomes the enter key, when I hit the function key and hit backspace, it becomes the delete key, stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's real weird. Um, it's required a fairly significant, like my brain plasticity is not where I wanted it to be for this. Um, (laughs) but, but, but I'm getting there and, and I ended up like making a custom layer for games so that my, it just rebinds the home keys to be ASDW. So I don't have to rebind every game. So stuff like that. It's, it's been a fascinating learning experience though. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be quite this hard. Nice. Uh, well to keep, keep going around the horn. Uh, I think Mike Kreider, you might be the only one out of all six of us who have built your own keyboard so right uh yes i've built several keyboards uh i haven't been able to do it for a while because one of my primary functions on pc world is i'm the keyboard reviewer guy so i'm just always like i think gosh 100 percent of the time last year sitting sitting working 
on my day-to-day new stuff, I had a new keyboard every two to three weeks. That's just how it is for me. <laughs> so I can't tell you what I'm using right now just because that's constantly shifting. But the last thing I bought for myself was the White Fox Eclipse, which is a uh, an, an evolved version of a very popular custom keyboard from like, I'm going to say five or six years ago. The original White Cl- White Fox. Somebody finally put out a wireless version, and it's got all the, the fancy new... Uh, new stuff. It's got RGB built in. It lets you swap out the switches, et cetera, et cetera. The coolest thing I like about it is that if you like to customize the interior of your keyboard with different kind of foams or something like a tape mod, and I'll see if I can do this right on the first time. It might just fall apart in my hands, so be forewarned. Um, <laughs> you you don't need to take apart the case. You can just sort of, ah, there we go. Oh. Pull it out oh, with your hands. Awesome. It, it just sits in That's there magnetically. Cool. Nice. And I'd pull, I'd pull it out fully, but that would mean taking the battery out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, here we go. Yeah. Oh. We so go. that's it. It's yeah, open. It's ready to modify. Um, well, okay. So follow-up question. Wait. So has anybody else here built their own keyboard? Oh, you have. Oh, okay. So have, uh, the second question, have you have you lubed your own switches, Will? I don't. I don't. The switch lubing is complicated, and the, the lubes are almost all really environmentally disastrous so i don't i don't switch lube mike have you lubed switches i haven't done the individual switches i put just a little bit of grease on the stabilizers because that's what's going to like rattle the most for your long keys and that's fairly easy to do if you're already building everything okay well uh, not to spoil anything but knowing knowing willis and i who's left to talk about it uh you're probably the, the most deviant of all of us then uh, on the spectrum, so uh, well, there's two of worse. us and fewer of you guys. So maybe you're the deviants and we're the normies. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, I'll say on my end, I have definitely. I've talked about this before, but I, I feel like I've I've been right at the edge of the cliff, looking down over at the custom keyboard stuff, and I'm like, hmm, should I jump? I feel like I've been here for a bit, looking down at all those all those uh, all those freaks over there, and I'm like, man, uh, should I do this? Um, I don't know yet. <laughs> I, I, I haven't fully made the jump, uh, but I have done a couple of videos with uh, Hippiotech. Uh, the, the go, go good, uh, go subscribe over there on their YouTube. Uh, awesome, awesome stuff that they do for custom keyboard stuff. And and we've done a couple of videos together. And I actually did assemble a keyboard with him at a, a live stream event uh, late last year, um, which was fun. So I, I've I've dabbled a little bit, and then I I'm currently using right now using the eight bit do. Uh, mechanical keyboard uh, which is yeah it's 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 my first custom mechanical keyboard i mean i haven't done any modifications to it but uh, in the past i've always just used gaming keyboards which i would consider not custom because the 8-bit do one can be customized if that makes sense i don't maybe i have this you can change switches in it right it's hot swappable i think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's how i'm making that delineation between just a a standard mechanical keyboard and a custom mechanical keyboard even though i haven't i haven't built that one uh so you know i'm I'm, I'm touching also i will say at at ces um the folks over at uh, cyberpower pc uh gave us uh uh we we walked away with with their mechanical custom mechanical keyboard oh man i I don't remember the actual um the keyb Is it called the Keeb? No, I don't think I, think I don't so? think it's called the Keeb. It's uh CK six O B. is 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 the number Keeb it, is better. It's it's a it's a sixty percent keyboard. Uh which uh, yeah, I sat down. Both Willis and I had this problem because uh, he got one as well. Uh, yeah. I plugged it in, I sat down and and I went to go use the arrow keys and I was like 
This thing's got no arrow keys. What the hell? <laughs> Who the hell yeah, can I don't use? Like 60%. Who can use yeah, a no. keyboard with no there's, arrow keys? Are you dude, kidding me? Uh, yeah. There's nope. somebody in our Discord server who uses a 40% keyboard. I'm I don't like, know what that means. Dude. What it does that mean? That it has no, no keys? keys. You have no keys. Is it just WASD? <laughs> it's WASD and layers, right? Like you have layers all the way down that like you yes, just keep mashing it's, buttons. It's it's really complicated layers. I can't go down to to 40. The one that I built for my travel stuff that's sort of kind of sort of silent is my Star Trek board. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you showed this off. Over here on this side, it does have arrow keys. They're all straight, but it takes very little time to adjust to it. So this is 60%. It's relatively small, but I did have to keep my arrow keys. That's that's, that's one of the nice things about building on your own uh, PCP. You have to to solder it (laughs) because the hot swaps don't come like that. on the edge now. He's just like leaning into the abyss. (laughs) But I mean, mean, for me, the, the ability to have switches that, feel good under your fingers and then also not make sound. Like I, I swap out all the, usually I buy whatever the hotness is in, in silent switches when I get a new keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, it was silent Boba tactiles, which, which were like, I think they took a stem from one switch and the top from another. And people did some crazy wizardry with that. And then you'd buy these kind of weird aftermarket switches. Um, it, the, the nice thing is in the last like, three years even the number of switches being made by all the mainline it's not like i have to order weird packages from aliexpress anymore to get the good switches i want now you can just literally go to any of the dozen stores and get something that is going to be pretty much exactly what you want all right well before i get into my next uh segment willis please uh chime in where where do you sit uh, uh in your well, deviant nature at uh at work here uh, we're still rocking a uh, a uh, what was it the Apple aluminum soft keyboard? Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, that, that's because it's it's like pure silent. Yeah. You know, we kind of want that for production over here. Show but... it to, you know, yeah, <laughs> still still at the desk, just uh, you know. <laughs> but no, I at home I use a uh, a full full size uh, mechanical, mechanical keyboard because yeah. I I you know like I said I need my arrow keys i need the number pad I, the, the, the numpads and, and everything it's just you know easier on the edits and you've never built your own <laughs> no and would you ever want to build your I own? Wanna try. I wanna oh, try. you want to try yeah. okay okay so i i've always wanted to like I've, I've i've been like you on the edge of that cliff looking down being like should i take the jump but the problem is everyone i know who has done that gets really into it i mean you two guys are examples jared newman who writes for us is hardcore off the deep end and I'm already weird about monitors, and that's expensive enough. <laughs> so I just can't add. I just can't add another pricey, nerdy hobby. Seriously, yeah. it's so expensive. I, I mean, it's like easily like three or four hundred. And I'm like, once the bug bites, it's like, oh no. You know, I've like, I've had people. You can build one, one for under a hundred, but yeah. yes, it's easy to go up to like. Well, I think the last time I counted on that one, I put like $500 worth of parts into it. Oh. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've had a lot of people get angry at me because I'm like, like I, I, I got in the, uh, the scuff envision pro it's like almost $200 uh, controller. And it was like, why would you pay $200 for a controller? And I'm like, what? That's cheaper than a keyboard that Mike just just built. Uh, <laughs> also, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel no, I feel that I know too many people who are like, Ooh, I just built a new keyboard. What are you doing with it? 
Oh, hanging on the wall back there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like us and building PCs, right? Yeah, Where no, we're I like, it, well, this this one's for the living room. This one's for Mondays. This yeah. one's for the weekend. This is for my guests. This one, you know. <laughs> in the guest now, room, one in the garage. Now, yeah. No. Now, deep from my pro consumer heart, I have to point out there are tons of great keyboards. For way less than you think. There, there's ones for less than 100 If you go to our roundups, we always have an excellent budget pick. There's one by yeah. G-Skill. I think it's the KM250 that's been our, our go-to mm-hmm. pick for almost a year now. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to ask you, Adam and Elena, because I, I know both of you have had a chance to, to check out that 8-Bit board. Um, and the most interesting thing from that, from a design aspect, aside from that, it just looks fun, is that it comes with these giant, like staples, easy buttons. Yeah, the, these big, <laughs> mash yeah. down A and B ones. <laughs> what do you use those for? I want to know. Uh, well, for me, my uh, my wife immediately stole it and was like, "Oh, I love these buttons." Uh, she's a preschool teacher and and a nanny, and she's like, "I'm gonna have fun with the kids." So I actually don't have it uh, hooked up. I wish I did, but if I did, great story. If I could, I would. Could I? I, I I haven't used the the configurability of it, but I would love to. If, if I'm thinking of two big red buttons that I could do something to, <laughs> this is a, another side tangent. But uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Evangelion uh, power button. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> yeah, so like I would love to just have a big button that I could hit uh, to turn off my computer. <laughs> that would be hilarious. End of day, hit the big red button. Uh, Nothing could possibly yeah. go wrong with that when right. you're in a live. You have to come up like a complex system of like uh, Morse code in order for yeah. it to actually work, Ooh, so you don't idea. accidentally just hit it once. Well, that's that's why I like the Evangelion one because it has a little flip cover. You can you know it's like a a real oh. self destruct button. You, you have to flip it open. Uh, yeah. New, a, anyway, don't tell your cats that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. Elena, have, have you? Yeah. But you're not, you're not currently using it. I'm gonna be disappointing it, too. Right? Mike's gonna be so disappointed because I I took I looked at it. I was like, I just want to display this. I don't want to use it. <laughs> however, it's however, it's like Adam, if I had to come up with a use for it. There's been, I don't know what's wrong with my brain. I don't know if it's 2024 or my brain is just like having problems. <laughs> it's just stuck in a loop. But every time we've had the show the last few weeks, I always have moments where I'm like, this would be a perfect point in the show just to like use a soundboard clip where I insert the sound of the grunt birthday party oh, yeah. like head explosion. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. And I think if I could figure it out, I would just program those two buttons to just be one would be the uh, the birthday grunt uh, skull sound and then the other TBD. But I, those would just be like my signature like insertions into an audio <laughs> podcast. Uh, a friend of the show, Bob Jones in the chat says uh, John Cena horn. Uh, there you go. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <John> <laughs> <Cena>. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Fun stuff. I So, OK, to, to get to get to some serious questions, though, for me. Uh, there, there's a, a different when we're talking about custom mechanical keyboards, right? There's obviously the mechanical keyboards from gaming companies. I, we've all used that. That I, I feel like a lot of people in the chat probably use that as well. Uh, but getting into the custom mechanical thing, uh, I see, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I see two paths. One of them is like a pre-built kind of thing, like the eight bit, eight bit do. Uh, you know, the the one that you had mentioned. I can't remember the the company. I mean, yeah, you, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, there's right, a bunch of all them. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Or you can build your own. Is it the same kind of debate 
that a lot of people have in the PC building community of pre-built versus DIY. Because I feel like that gets toxic a lot. People are like, ah, oh, pre-builds, what the hell, what would you build it yourself? Uh, is it the same in the keyboard space? I mean, people have strong feelings in all of these spaces where they have hobbies that they spend a lot of money. Like, the, the thing is, if you're going to, you can build a keyboard relatively inexpensively unless you're really pretty good at soldering. Like, in my experience, you, you're probably better off buying like a $50 hot swappable switch keyboard to start out. Like, you, you're jumping into the deep end there. You want to you want to jump into the shallow end and then kind of just keep walking gradually down the depth of the pool until you get to the depth that you're comfortable <laughs> with. And that's where you stop and stop. And, and hopefully it's before your wallet is completely emptied and <laughs> your wall is filled with a bunch of keyboards that you never use. So, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think there's any shame in building versus like I use a machine. I use a keyboard that I bought and, and didn't build. I, the one that I built is over in a box in the garage someplace. <laughs> Cause it frankly, it was a little janky. So Mike, what, what, what do you think? I absolutely agree. I think if, if you're interested in this, uh, the way to go is a cheap keyboard with, uh, with hot swappable switches and then buy that and then buy what they call a switch tester. You can go on Amazon and find dozens of different ones and each one will come with anywhere from like nine to 50 different individual switches and just sit there and play with it. See which ones you like. Find one that, that you like and order switches to replace them. That's a great like weekend project just to, just to get your feet wet and have fun with it and go from there. And I think the biggest differentiator now between now and like six, seven years ago is the hot swap. Because before that, you had to have basic soldering skills. Mm, and now you yeah. don't. Mm. And that's great. Well, uh, buy a good switch puller, a metal one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank yourself. Well, see, and, and I think that's the other that's the other part I have problems with is that uh, mm -hmm. building a PC, I can go online, I can look at reviews, I can look at bar charts, and I'm like, okay, this you know performs better than this. I can look at aesthetics of a build. I can pretty much understand what the build's going to be like before I even get any parts in. Uh, Davina, friend of the show, Davina says in the chat here, keyboards are really subjective, and that's the other problem. I'm like, okay, well, I have no idea unless I buy like a, a tester to actually feel them. Uh, but that's also not talking about like the the dampening foam underneath or like the you know like all the other kind of stuff that goes into it. It's just like, well, crap. I, yeah, I mean, sure, I can I can buy one and then maybe tinker around with the switches, but how am I going to know the difference between the different? dampeners and mods and uh, when i talked to hippie tech about this he was like oh yeah just ex experiment just you know try maybe wrap it wrapping something with with duct tape uh you know and see how that goes and i'm just like ah, yeah i guess but <laughs> you know what, what, what if i ruin it and i, I and i don't want to go back then i'm i'm you know i don't know it's just the, the the one thing about this that i think people don't maybe understand is that the keyboards typically hold their values pretty well because they're not generally especially when you get into the specialty end they're not mass produced they're produced in batches so like when for example uh, there's often like drop keycap runs where they'll make a few thousand of those sets. And then once those are gone from the store, you can only buy them on aftermarket uh, or wait until they do another run, which could be never could be a year. It could be three weeks, whatever. <laughs> um, so, so you can often like I've sold one of the early keyboards I bought for more than I paid for it, um, which I was, which never happens on PC hardware. Right. That's shocking. Wow. Wait, specifically because it had keycaps that were rare. It had switches and keycaps that were hard to get at oh. the time. Yeah. So, so it's an investment. That's what you're telling me. No, no, it's not. Look, we're not talking about Lego here. 
Adam's already formulating his pitch to Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the other thing is, Will says I could make a lot of money off this. No, 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 no. no I mean, Lindsay, don't listen. No, there's got to be people out there who are buying, especially the keycaps, because they can be so limited. Who are buying those specifically to resell? I'm sure there's some people that do that. <laughs> Friends of like sneakers don't. Yeah, it's bad people do that. Friend of the show, Ruru yeah. Two says. Uh, so keyboard is the new crypto. There we go. <laughs> no, oh god, no. Ooh, don't put that it hurts my us. soul so much. But, uh, but also, you can get. Um, let's say I don't want to say bootleg, but maybe key key switches of questionable provenance on sites like AliExpress. <laughs> if you don't mind waiting a couple of months for shipping, you can get a bag of switches that are indistinguishable from the regular ones for like a third the price quarter the price usually so um i i think i think that would be a fun video would be to get those and compare them with the real ones at some point maybe perhaps the yeah. shopping's actually gotten better too like uh when i've ordered lately it's like a couple of weeks sometimes oh. less than, less than a month sometimes depending which shipping option you choose and i think you don't even need to go with uh I think the word we're avoiding is bootleg uh, because <laughs> whatever happens to be like the trend in switches this year for the super expensive ones that might be like in a, a dollar for a single switch, um, that's going to trickle down into other manufacturers. Uh, it'll start with the super, super boutique stuff. And then in a few months, either uh, Gateron or Kale will make their own version yeah. with very much the same design because it's all based off of this 40 year old thing that's out of patent and anybody can do what they want. Uh, so if you see something that's really cool and you say, hey, I can't afford that right now, check back in three months, check back in six months, someone will have an almost identical switch that you can get for a third the price. <laughs> okay, here's the other thing. You know, getting into any sort of enthusiast thing, uh, sometimes there's a barrier for new people. Uh, same thing with PC building where you, you, you're like, okay, maybe I want to build my first PC and you go watch, uh, you know, Steve, Steve makes great videos over Gamers Nexus. But sometimes I watch it I've been in this space for a bit, and I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I have no idea, right? Getting in, getting into understanding the terms and what all that means can can be daunting. Uh, and Satnav uh, put it in the, the, the channel right here, double caramel topped apple crisp blueberry switches. Yes. You know, and I'm like, some of those, oh, names. Yeah. Some of those names, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I don't, the, I have no idea what amazing. the hell you just said, uh, and that can be daunting sometimes. <laughs> they're, they're, the switch names are made by the same people who make YouTube slime videos, so it's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think I think one of our our best picks in the keyboard roundup right now comes from a company that had pre-installed. I want to say blueberry ice cream switches from K from kale. This is one of the major worldwide manufacturers and they're coming out with these weirdo names. That's how popular it's gotten. So my, like, my question, these, oh, go ahead. Elena. I was going to just ask like, are these like names supposed to signify some kind of like special edition or like, you know, like very different take on switches. If you're looking for a logic in the names that, corresponds to okay. their function or their feel there is none there used to be like red blue brown black and they'd go from the no now there's there's no telling what it is it, it used to mean that blue was Unicorn clicky years. but like we're not we're we're through yeah. the looking glass Bl blueberry does not oh, yeah. also mean clicky then I, I means saying. clicky I think the blueberry was the... were tactile yeah yeah if anything oh, it just oh. pushes me to go get dessert right now yeah, i know right yeah yeah and then you said boba switches and i was boba like okay switches. well yeah, yeah. I need boba. okay so my yeah. my question is has anybody switched the switches in their mouse before uh no. oh we actually have a, a rat uh 
that the, those those rat uh, mice were those those had re- replaceable switch. I, or maybe it's just like the panels on it. Maybe maybe I'm, I have it wrong. But I thought those rat ones, the R A T T. I had a switch die in a Logitech mouse a couple years ago and got a kale switch. Ordered kale switches from the internet and dismantled it, desoldered them, put them back in. I was able to get quieter switches in the mouse, too, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. I like that. It's the next frontier. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Well, okay. So, Will, I I know uh, we talked about you just just starting on. uh, We need to talk. I, maybe we should do a live stream where we we build a, a you help me build a custom keyboard together. Uh, I would love to do that. That yeah, would be fabulous. I, I, uh, okay. I, I promised Hippio Tech by the next time I I, I saw him at a at some sort of event, I will have built built my first custom keyboard. So I do want to do it. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'll make work pay for it first, uh, and then Boom. <laughs> there you go. Pat, I'm just Cha-ching. not caring what the accounting side hears publicly. Nah, nah. Look, it's They're past the 30 listening. minute mark. They're not listening anymore. It's We're listening. totally <laughs> safe at this point. Yeah, we're in the dark hour. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah. Anything are we else? moving on? I have a question. Oh, please, for please. The yeah. experienced uh, keyboard folks in this chat, mm-hmm. which is. Without buying keycap sets for every single type, how how am I supposed to figure out the differences between like the curved and the angle and the and all that? Like I have looked at so many charts from the side view, and I'm like, do I like that better than the other one? I don't know. <laughs> Good question. Um, my recommendation is to go on Buy a uh, AliExpress. Because they they always they do have the knockoffs and the the full sets can be very expensive, uh, but the but the knockoffs are not that bad. You can find them for anywhere from like thirty to fifty for a set, and you can throw them on your keyboard and decide if you like them. My favorite is called DSA from a company called Signature Plastics that just went out of business, so I'm kind of bummed there. But there are plenty of people that copy that design, so it's it's possible to do it. On something approaching what you might call the budget. Well, thirty dollars per per try does sound kind of expensive though. Uh yeah. Also we, we have a couple people in the chat saying that you should just visit a keyboard meetup. And now now yeah, <laughs> I had no that, is, that's a great oh, recommendation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I is had no idea. The, yeah, they are. They there used to be a guy that brought a bunch of keyboards to Alameda swap meet in the in the like long oh, really? time ago, like ten oh, years ago yeah. now. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, you could buy model eighties <laughs> from him back in the day. So it was he was he was that guy. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, Adam's if you're interested, right you, now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I suggest you Google like um keyboard meetup Reddit and they'll have just have a list of the upcoming ones. Odds are pretty good there will be one in a major city near you within three or four months. And now, now wow. my, I'm learning my, so much today. Yeah. And my mind's going to the worst place where it's just like in this like seedy little like uh, meeting room no, at, a, are, at a, a, a VFW or something. Or something. Yeah. It'll be perfectly they're nice. Yeah, and, you, and you walk in you're like, hey, what, what are you here for? I'm here for the keyboard meetup. And they're like, what, what's the secret password? And I say Videlio or whatever. Qwerty, man. It's Qwerty. Qwerty. Oh, no. Well, no. Scott, no. Scott, people Scott. have people have been doing these for years. There are people who are very experienced with it. They they have door prizes. They have stickers. They have t-shirts. It's it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> t-shirts. Wow. All right. So Clay says a, uh, a video idea. We PC World should host our own keyboard meetup. That would be hilarious yeah. if somebody like us. Uh, you know, I mean, unless we fly you out, we got a bunch of like noobs sitting around being like, "Hey, we're hosting our own keyboard meetup." 
We're no, not, that's brilliant, in San Francisco, though. Yeah. 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 Of, I'll have them come to us. No, that's what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. You don't. Okay. We don't have to go out to find people that just come to us. <laughs> oh. yeah, well, you, you, you just come in. You come in with like a bunch of Dell and HP keyboards <laughs> that shipped with the with the computers, and you're like, "Look, guys, we got them all. We got a compact over here. We got a we've got an e machines. Gateway. Yeah, gateway. Kensington <laughs> vintage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Now, now I'm on board because I mean, I we have tossed around the ideas of like full nerd meetups or something you know uh Somebody. but yeah that'd be the first thing would be keyboards KeyCon. KeyCon. i love this KeyCon, yes i think that might be a thing already. oh i'm sure that's a thing i'm sure that's a thing there's no way that's not look i, I'll, I have a stack of natural keyboard pros from the old microsoft ones in the garage i'll bring in oh, where you know God. the classics all right yeah maybe i'll find a, a cd place for our own place to rent out uh and we'll just Stop put calling it, it cd they're very yeah. nice meetups i'm sure they are uh but then you get you get the waifu boards in and you're like why'd you have to bring that come on uh anyway i don't think uh, i've ever seen anything even remotely objectionable at one of these and i've been to like half a dozen <laughs> right, well, wow you know. you're way deeper than i am mike <laughs> uh, also you, time, you were mike. probably not looking in the right places uh yeah, yeah. um anyway it's always a contra. looking for seediness he's yeah, like yeah. i'm gonna do this in oakland <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we, we need to we need to go. Uh, I'm not wa- I'm not hating on waifu boards. I've been looking for waifu parts, uh, PC parts, but I you know, I'm just saying. Hey, I wrote an editorial uh, a couple of weeks ago that's like we need more anime girl graphics cards. So I guess I have uh, no room to complain. Look, I just want dragons <laughs> on my graphics card. Okay, that's all I'm looking for. <laughs> okay, uh, we, we need we need to move on. Uh, we, we got viewer Q and A that we need to get to. It is staring me right in the face. If you have a question, get it in the chat right now at PC World. It's kind of the best way for us to see it live. If you're watching or listening to this later, then head over to uh, the link in the description to our fine folks over on Discord. We've got a channel in there for questions. That uh, hopefully mm-hmm. we'll get to on the show. You can drop it in at any point. Uh, we do have a couple super chats I want to get to uh, before we get any further. The first one is um, from a friend of the show, Skeet Sayer, gives five Canadian dollars. Thank you so much. Uh, said, uh, um, I have a Logitech G510. What keyboard would I replace it with? I don't know what that keyboard is. So can anyone give recommendations i'm looking up right now You're looking it up right I'm, now. I'm guessing that's a full-size gaming keyboard from maybe like five or eight years ago yes yeah, it's, it's a little, little screen on top oh it's got an remember. lcd panel yeah oh there are that is actually coming back into style for some of the gaming keyboards Ooh. uh okay. i believe that uh asus the asus i want to say it starts with an a we have a review on pc world um that has that LCD screen up in the top corner. Steel Series also makes a couple of of those, and there's a few other like that. If you want, if you're just looking for a gaming board that does that with a little option to show stuff on on a tiny screen, which does not at all appeal to me, but hey, you have fun with it. Uh, Asus and Steel Series both have those models. The best thing about that keyboard is it had the roller mm. for the volume control, nice. like a big flat roller. I love I love a knob or a roller. Yeah. Uh yeah okay uh bring that keyboard to our meetup our first official PC World meetup <laughs> there you go well someone's trying to sell that on eBay for four hundred dollars wow uh, there you go <laughs> um all right uh and uh Zoid Rath uh gave, friend of the show Zoid Rath gave us five dollars super chat thank you so much uh not a question just said uh, starting a fund to get Elena a stream deck 
uh, to put sound bites on for future shows. Uh, Yay! Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. For, for some live grunt birthday party, uh, yes. and then we'll get demonetized immediately. Yay! Uh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, yeah. I didn't even get into the whole like keyboard cable thing. I don't. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. We're not going backwards. <laughs> We're going forwards. We're pressing forward. Uh, I'm going to go with some questions over on Discord. Uh oh this is this is topical. This is something I, I want to talk about, especially we've got some fellow console people in here. Friend of the show Liquid R says with the flurry of rumors that Microsoft may be bringing some of Xbox's biggest exclusives such as Starfield and Gears of War along with others to the PlayStation, uh do we feel that that speaks to anything on the health of the PC uh gaming market? Uh or is PC gaming's health just fine and Microsoft needs to feed the beast? For shared holders, whatever. Uh, as also as part of that is the rumors of uh, maybe getting out of console hardware altogether. Um, Elena, I'm going to toss this to you first as the official uh, Xbox um, <laughs> spokesperson of the group. Uh, how would number one? How would you feel if Microsoft left the the hardware game? Uh, how do I feel? As how do you feel? Personally, about it? feel. Yeah, personally, feel about how, it. How, how do, how do, uh, personally, I think it would be a little bit sad and almost anticlimactic given how they fought really hard to get into the console scene. Um, it was so dominated by the Japanese companies and everyone was like, what are you doing? And they made it happen and they, they survived what at this point, two decades as a brand. Um, so to me, it feels a little anticlimactic where they're just like, eh, you know, it's a, the money's in software. Peace out, y'all. Uh, we'll see. The, the, and once again, these are all rumors. There's no official statement, you know, nothing. Who knows what it could actually mean for the hardware division is it, just rumors right now. But yeah, they're um, going to be uh, Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, is actually doing a talk or something tomorrow, something tomorrow to come out and clarify about all this stuff. Uh, so everyone's getting way too worked up, in my opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing more Xbox stuff on other platforms, especially via Game Pass. But personally, I would expect to see it more like how PlayStation does with the PC right now. So I wouldn't expect to see Starfield on day one on PlayStation. I'd expect it to come out a year or two later, much like how Gears of War and Horizon Zero Dawn and stuff did on the piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff like Hi-Fi Rush and stuff I could see getting ported over. But they, I don't think they're getting out of the hardware space, and I don't think they would shoot themselves in the foot that hard. Yeah. I, I, what, does anybody know what kicked off this current ra- round of like Xbox people being upset and sad? About uh, someone who's doing uh, data mining of Hi-Fi Rush, and they found uh, Switch and PlayStation colored achievements and stuff in there so okay. it's something like that's getting announced for other platforms yeah, yeah I mean, well and then, and then i think a, a lot of people are taking the next logical step of like oh, okay well if microsoft's going to go all in on just releasing their games everywhere why even have a console and their consoles i mean they're they're you know they're in, in third place and they're they always will be at least behind you know well, one, one or both I, I don't think Sony and Nintendo are going to put Game Pass on their platforms, probably, or they are going to allow them to do that. Right? I mean, Microsoft so, has said they wish they could, right? I mean, and that's, oh. that, I think that's separate from the hardware thing. Like, <laughs> like I mean, yeah, like, th- this doesn't surprise me at all that they want to get their games in other places. Like, Well, but but I mean, they're also probably not going to allow xCloud in the same way that, that Apple doesn't really allow xCloud, an xCloud dedicated client. You have to run it through Edge as a web web application. So if you look at how game sales work, right, on 
on SKUs that people can spend money for and aren't part of a subscription, there's an initial spike. If it's a live game, that grows over time. And if it's a traditional game, that spike fades to nothing over about three to six months or, or virtually nothing. You get a long tail of sales. So if there's an opportunity for them to roll out these games after that initial spike on their platform where they don't have to pay anybody else a cut of the profit is it makes perfect sense for them to keep, to, to, to engage in those other platforms. Um, especially if like porting stuff from Xbox to PlayStation is pretty straightforward these days since they're, I don't want to say essentially the same, but they're very, very similar hardware. The, the switch is a little more complicated and there's ongoing costs with a lot of that. Cause a lot of the, like the high quality Xbox and PS five ports to switch are cloud-based um, like, like off, off, off switch rendering basically. Um, and there is, there is an ongoing cost for that, but there's been a lot of games that have done that. There's cost structures for that are established. Clearly the model works or else people wouldn't continue to do it. Um, uh, three five years later after we saw the first ones of those so like i don't i, I don't know if anything if i was an xbox fan right now the thing i would be worried about is the long-term impact of game pass because when i talk to my developer friends i often hear hey we don't expect to sell anything on xbox because people on xbox are just subscribing to game pass and they don't pay 60 dollars or 40 dollars or 20 dollars for, for standalone games anymore Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think people have jumped the, the jumped to a conclusion. They're thinking of Sega twenty years ago, mm-hmm. where someone looked at the numbers and said, "Hey, we're not going to remain profitable selling hardware. We'll ju- we'll just be a game software company, and that's not the end of the world." I don't think Microsoft is there yet. Someone has done that calculation for them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, it's not and like they're looking at, you know, it's not like Microsoft's that weird of a company that, you know, they have a track record of making decisions. That you're like, huh? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I think that's the other part of it. People are like, well, you know, they could make this decision, even though it would, it would yeah. be weird. And with the last five or six years, especially with them acquiring absolutely everyone they can leading up to Bethesda, Blizzard, Activision, I would say, arguably, they're much more of a software company than a hardware company when it comes to gaming. So let's say somebody does decide to throw the switch and said, hey, we're not making as much, we're not making enough money off the Xbox hardware to justify continuing to build it. That doesn't mean the Xbox brand goes away. I would I would expect to see, if anything, a small, kind of like the NVIDIA Shield set-top box said, hey, this is a tiny box for Game Pass because that's what we want to sell consumers now. Mm. And at that point, Microsoft becomes the customer for publishers and for developers, and then Game Pass becomes the product for consumers, at least as far as Microsoft is concerned. Mm. I I think we're all over looking too deeply into this, everybody on the internet. Microsoft, I don't think, is getting out of Xbox. I don't think this announcement's going to be as crazy as people think that it's going to be. Oh, no, it'd be too soon for something like that. Uh, I'm just... I, I think though that what we're talking about is con- like conjecture for what the next generation is going to look like and what form that's going to be just given the direction the company has been going in so far. And unfortunately for Microsoft, how deep of a hole got dug for them after the disastrous Xbox One mm-hmm. launch and you know how they packaged that. They haven't really recovered from it and it only got worse with the generation that came after it, the series X and S. So, I mean, I, I'm not predicting any near term death for Xbox hardware, but I do think it is a valid, um, 
conversational topic to to consider, you know, where are they going to go from here, especially as Mike just pointed out, they've been on such a huge spree of acquisitions and there's such a software emphasis for them. You know, it it, it wouldn't be surprising if they wound down the hardware side, but I, I also, like you, Brad, I also think that that would be a very, very big statement, a very big move. It's not just something you casually throw off because spinning it back up again probably would be a very big endeavor as well. Or maybe they, they pull a Nintendo and say, hey, you know what? Instead of competing directly with Sony, let's just do something different. Uh, yeah, That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because within three or four years at the very latest, Sony's going to have a new console that's going to be gigantic and enormously powerful and equaling like some really good PC gaming specs of today. If you're Microsoft in three years, do you make the decision to make that investment in a similar kind of product? And I think right now I would flip a coin as to whether they, they release something that tries to compete with Sony again, or goes all in on their, on their software power, which they've been building up. And I would say building up very successfully. So I, I think, I mean, I think three or four years is really aggressive for new consoles. I think everybody's going to try to make these generations last as long as they can because of the upfront investment and the new hardware. I, I think people always tend to players tend to look at the number of consoles sold on each side of the of the divide where you know Nintendo is selling a, a 10 times as much as anybody else and then yeah. Microsoft and Sony are fighting over the 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 uh, essential scraps right but the real important number for the economy of games and the way games are made and the way games are made is how many people like what's the attach rate of games per console purchased and with Xbox people are spending a lot of money on Game Pass and not much money on games and with PlayStation people are spending a lot of money on games so that means if I'm a developer I'm looking at who I'm going to partner with is it Nintendo which maybe they have a because they've sold so many units their attach rate is probably a disaster Sony has a really nice attach rate right now and uh, mainly because they have a bunch of first party games that aren't on their subscription service or weren't on a subscription service that didn't exist for a long time. I think they have a really big advantage over, over Microsoft in the, in this kind of like in the, in the, in the battle for future titles, right? That's, that's the thing we're talking about because you know, right now the publishing market is softer than it's ever been in my memory like the mid-tier publishers have all been embraced by the embracer group and then either shut down or or shrunk to the point that they can't uh they they, they have no money to invest in mid-tier games and you know of the fourteen thousand games that came out on steam last year you know ten thousand of them were kind of crappy and of those other four the vast majority of those were in that kind of five to twenty million dollar budget range that that the mid-tier publishers live in and right now, there aren't a lot of games signed for 2026, 20, 27, 28, because nobody signed any deals last year, right? There were very, very few publisher deals, very, very few platform deals. The Game Pass deals have shrunk to the point that they're like, for a while, Microsoft would basically fund your low-end game, and and that's not happening anymore. Epic's not doing those deals anymore. Like, what's happening to these studios that were expecting to come in and get game pass money or publisher money at the end of their, their project, their production. And it's just not going to be there. And, and I think Microsoft and Sony are probably going to gobble up a bunch of those small and mid-sized studios because, you know, you can buy probably 20 mid-sized studios for what one Activision costs, 20 or 30 mid-sized studios for one, maybe more more than that. My math might be bad. $70,000 million. So yeah, you could, yeah, probably buy 30, 35 mid-tier studios. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a real bad year. This We had the best year for games in a long time last year. I think the next few years are going to be pretty sad. Yeah. Uh, also, the, the, the last little twist in this, and we, we kind of need to move on, the... Um... The other part of this hanging in the the balance is a lot of talk about getting away from publishing physical media. So, right, like I wonder if Microsoft yeah. is more excited and willing to be like, ah, forget physical discs, let's go all in on Game Pass, let's go all, all in in digital. Where you know Sony still seems to at least be embracing you can get a digital version or, or a disc version uh, kind of thing. Well, so. I mean, Microsoft, there were reports that in the Microsoft layoffs last week that the disc, the, a lot of that was in the in the disc and physical media production side. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's the way the market was going. Best Buy has cleared out all of their physical right. media space. Right. Like GameSpot is selling more squishables, squishables than discs these days, I think. <laughs> yeah. They're not doing used media anymore. I, I, you know, that's just market trend and then... Yeah. Well, but I feel like oh, Microsoft well, is is better suited to embrace or embrace that feature yeah. rather than, yeah. than Sony. Yeah, um, for sure. Just because of the markets that they play in. I mean, Japan is still huge on physical media. I don't see Sony making that kind of move anytime soon. And uh, yeah, at least Nintendo we'll, likes it too. At so. least completely. Maybe maybe more so in other territories. Yeah. But I, I don't see them making quite such of a dramatic move yeah. in that direction. Okay. Uh, um, wait, can I insert oh, a question oh, please, real quick please, while please, you're looking? Yep. Because um, uh, uh, somebody asked on Discord, and I told them specifically to ask the question, but we haven't posed it yet. And Brad is here today, so I wanted to ask. Um, I think it was Ivan, and I'm going to paraphrase a little because I don't see it immediately just scrolling through all the many wonderful questions you put in the Discord channel. Oh, here it is. So... Uh, I guess this is mostly for Brad, but we can all take a turn answering this, which is, what's your stance on pre-ordering games? Hmm. And if you're not okay with it, would you be okay if they were refundable? Uh, In general, I don't pre-order stuff, period. I am a big believer in waiting for reviews to check stuff out. Uh, That said, especially those smaller and mid-tier developers like Will was just talking about, uh, if it's a team that has a worthy track record, I will add them to my Steam wish list. Sometimes I'll pre-order stuff like that uh, because it means so much to those smaller developers. So in mm-hmm. those cases, I'll sometimes do that. But in general, especially for big AAA games, I never pre-order, wait for reviews. It's not I, like you're going to miss the disc now, right? Like, there's no reason. Yeah. yeah um, back in the day when discs were actually a thing. I used to get around the long lines because nobody knew they sold them at Toys R Us as well. So I used to just head over to Toys R Us to buy yeah, stuff. Yeah, that was the same hack I would use. Nice. <laughs> well, the, and the wish list thing is really important. Like, this is the thing. If you see an indie game that you're even mildly interested in, the kindest thing you can do for those developers, and 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 we're talking about teams that are like four, five, ten, maybe 20 on the outside people for the most part is hit the wishlist button on steam because they steam doesn't do pre-orders for anything, but kind of really big games or follow-ups for, for indie indie folks. Um, those wishlists are what determine who gets carousel placement on the front page of steam on their launch days. And that carousel placement is the difference between selling a few thousand copies and a few hundred thousand copies in a lot of cases. Mm. So, you know, indie people, as somebody who just came from an indie studio, the goal with indie games isn't to make a bazillion dollars. It's usually to get to make the next game. <laughs> like you want, you want to make sell enough copies that you get to make your game too. 
and um, hitting that wish list button expresses interest in a way that matters to Steam and matters to Valve and how they promote stuff on the front page of Steam. And it's it's it is I cannot overemphasize how important it is for for indies. Does that translate to the other platforms or is that just a Steam thing? If you have a lot of Steam wish lists and you are working on a Microsoft deal and you come in and you say, I have X hundred thousand wish lists, which would be a very large number of wish lists, to be clear, mm-hmm. uh, then then they will be more enthusiastic about your product, probably, than if you have zero wish lists. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. Learn something today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody said it in the chat. For me, like if, if it's something like from a franchise or developer that I already know that i'm probably going to be interested in like whatever you know i'm i'm fine pre-ordering something uh yeah well the thing with it used to be me with I was like, go oh, ahead right. well sorry okay so the, with, I, go ahead go ahead Brad. no you go <laughs> so real quick so with pre-orders uh you know nowadays they try to entice you with uh like add-ons and, and stuff like that you know like pre-order now and get like this you know like legendary skin or you know like very limited but i find like in the end You'll 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 get it eventually. Like something, uh, like maybe months later, they'll they'll release it again, and it's like you 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 can you can buy it later. It's like, do you really need the pre-order? Or for you guys, it's like, what will entice you guys to actually get? You know, what offer would they have to make for you guys to do a pre-order? Back in the day, I pre-ordered Halo Three because I was going to buy that no matter what, and I came with that <laughs> big badass physical helmet of the Master Chief. Oh, the the cat helmet. <laughs> oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. But uh, yeah. I used to I used to pre-order games from Bethesda and Bioware because I've always been huge fans of both those firms. But both of them let me down with various releases. Not let me down, you know, it just wasn't what I wanted. Uh, and so I, I just don't pre-order too much anymore. I I pre-ordered the WoW the original WoW Collector's Edition. And then they sent review code, and I didn't ever open it. So I sold it on eBay for a whole lot of money at some point. Ooh. The one I pre-ordered, not the one that I got sent as a review copy. <laughs> nice. Because it had some sort of special pet in it. People really love wild pets, it turns <laughs> out. So I, I don't regret that one. That one worked out okay. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that I swayed me. Like, if I was going to already pre-order something, mm. I already kind of knew it. Like, And so whatever they're offering wasn't going to sway me. Mm. I don't think... Uh, I can't think of a situation off the top of my head where I, I wasn't... I wasn't going to pre-order it, and then I was like, "Hey, you know what? I'll get this thing, so I might as well pre-order." So, uh, yeah. Honestly, when you pre-order something, you get one of those like level boost things or whatever. It it often screws up the game, right? Like if you get mm-hmm. if you pre-order a, an Assassin's Creed thing and you get better weapons as a result of that, then it's going to make the first third of the game boring, which which is not yep. what I'm there for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So. So called out, Will. Uh, <laughs> no shame. I think all games, like, for, just to be clear, I'm 100% on team. All games should have, like, the, the what is it, the What's Up game folks call it a baby-ass baby mode. Uh, <laughs> so you can just, like, enjoy the story and, and hang out. No, but, uh, but, yeah. I just meant that I sometimes like having those because it is uh, it is amusing to me to have those options. Yeah. Well. And I'm a hundred percent a sucker for the for like the give me the stupidest skin. If like you if you sell if if it comes with like a banana or hot dog costume for Kratos, <laughs> I'll be first in line for your God of War pre order. That's 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 my wait. That's why you love uh, Fortnite so much. Then huh? that's why I love yeah. Fortnite. Yeah. yeah, that's why I play Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, Sean, uh, Retro Sean reminded us. Was like, what about the refundable part of the question? So if it's refundable. Yeah, what, what do we think yeah. about refunds? Because I, I like I yeah. I know on Steam it's kind of a little hazy. What is it officially like two hours if, as long as you haven't played two hours of it or something? But then there's any games that are under two hours and somebody can abuse that and 
beat it and well, still turn it back. You're just an ass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can already just watch game. it on YouTube. You can already yeah, refund games. I mostly play on Steam, so I uh, you can already return games if you yeah. don't like them. Uh, which I almost never done. I think I've only ever done it for one game. But uh, yeah, I still would much much rather have the seventy dollars in my savings account getting me interest than in their savings account getting them interest. <laughs> I guess as I always thought this was a really interesting question, especially coming from the console side, because pre-orders historically were a little bit different. So a lot of times you would just put down like a dollar deposit to basically hold a copy for you. And that was the equivalent of pre-orders. And so that's why I never really understood why people were so vitriolic about pre-ordering. Um, and then even for the games where you did put down the full $60 at that time, you know, uh, it's a physical copy. So as long as you don't break shrink wrap and you have second thoughts, again, it's fully returnable. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why this question was really interesting to me because I felt like as more of a console background person, getting the PC gamer perspective was very different to me just because I've never really understood the the debate well, over it because of these things on the console side. Well, I mean, if you have if you live someplace where you can't get good internet or you have have slow internet, it kind or of like... Caps. The, or caps. Well, caps are different though. But if you live someplace with slow internet and you're talking about downloading a 50 gig game and you want to play it at nine o'clock on the day it launches, then it used to be that the pre-order was the was the way to go because then you could preload the game and mm-hmm. it would just unlock. These days, I have gigabit Ethernet, uh, gigabit fiber, and a fast CPU, and it's actually faster for me for me to wait and uh, wait to download it after it's unencrypted than to unencrypt it on the disk and. Uh, so so like I'm actually punished for doing the preload these days if if I'm playing at that nine o'clock hour. Yeah, it's it's a weird. I I don't look. I don't have any beef with people who pre-order. That's that's yeah. You do you. <laughs> yeah. It's all fine. Yeah. Uh, but, but back to the 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 game uh, stop thing. I, I was definitely one of those people who would go in and put a dollar down to pre-order something to get the free item. I remember oh. I did that with uh what was it link. No, um, the Wind Waker. Oh, you're that guy. Or, yeah, yeah. Wow. So I remember I got that disc, the 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 GameCube disc that had Ooh. the 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 dual. Uh, what was it? Majora's oh, Mask Ocarina and, and Majora's. Ocarina. Yeah, yeah. And I, so you that put down a dollar, you get it. Pre-order, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. I would always go in the next time and be like, "Oh, can I cancel my pre-order?" <laughs> you're so, that guy. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. You oh, say that. yeah. I was always that guy. Yeah. Oh, Adam, <laughs> you are just so open about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back out. I'm back out. This is terrible. I can't work on these. This is worse than. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Shocking yeah. revelations. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well. Yeah. Maybe that's why they went down. Maybe it was. Uh, it was. Yeah. It's all because, because Adam. Of me. Yeah. I got all those Adam. free pre-order bonuses, mm-hmm. and they knew it. They can't stop me. You know, I'm coming in. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll admit this. You. I'll admit this as well. Uh, I used to. I used to rent from GameStop. Um, so, and when I say renting, uh, if you if you got a used game. You could return it within seven days, no questions asked. <laughs> so I'd, I'd get a used game, I'd beat it, and then I'd t- take it back, and then wow. and be like, "Are oh, we yeah. out of the statute of limitations on that? Are you sure you want to talk yeah. about this?" It's not even yeah, you exactly. it. And I, <laughs> I would walk in, in, I, I would walk in, and they would see me, and they're like, yeah, "This one, yeah. <laughs> Look, this guy." Sorry, this, Adam, guy. this guy. I'm yeah. old enough. I'm old enough that when I when I would buy games in college in the in the mid '90s. You could go to you could take them back to Babbage as an EB if they sucked. So you you would take a game home. I bought I bought uh, what was that Dennis Hopper game? Um, Hell, a cyberpunk thriller or something. I took that yeah, home. Dennis I loaded Hopper. it up. Yeah. I played it. 
I was like, this game is, this is truly awful. This is a really bad game. I loaded back up in the car, went back down to the Babbage's. They were like, you opened it. I was like, it's a really bad game, dude. They were like, here's your 50 bucks back. (laughs) So, you know. Uh, So Onikaze in a YouTube chat said, Adam is why we can't have nice things. (laughs) Hey, man, I barely had any money. So I was just like, all right. Yeah. Everyone does stuff like that when they were... 15 to 25. It's, instead of yeah. pirating, I was just uh, abusing uh, a system. <laughs> so I guess that's... I don't know if nice things, so. yeah. uh, I did find out, too. I, I, uh, the first couple times I did it, I would do it on the same transaction, so I'd return a game and then buy the next used game. Going. Yeah. So you had a chain? I, I had a, He's explaining all I had a chain, but then I found out the hard way that you can't, uh, you can't extend that chain past three. So the next mm-hmm. time I brought it in, they were like, well, oh, you already have this chain of returns. You can't return a third time. Not the same game, but you can't have this, a third transaction on the same wow. one. And so every We've time criminal record. every time I'd go in, I'd, I'd return it, complete that transaction, then go get the next used one and make that a separate transaction. <laughs> so, what, what, if you, what if you checked out like a really long game, like your, like your, you know, your Final Fantasy or something? Did you, did you take it back? You, did, you didn't get it finished in the seven days? You took it back and then you'd be like, hey, can I buy that exact copy again? No, I'd, I'd get another one and then go back to the, the next one after that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, would have done sh- it. I would have done it, but, oh, yeah. Do you at least spread this over different stores so they couldn't immediately identify you as easily listen the after i had done it after i had done it like two times i would see their face when i would walk in and be like oh it's this guy again so i had two stores i would go to in the, and it the didn't Pittsburgh stop area. him yeah in the spirit of confession i have one for you oh, please, um, please. Oh, no. i think what this was my become? my freshman or, or or sophomore year in high school I went into Best Buy, and this was just after the Dreamcast had been abandoned as a platform. Mm. They had 100 copies of NFL 2K1 for the Dreamcast, and they were selling them for a dollar a piece. And I'm like, (laughs) there's something there. (laughs) No, I bought one copy. I took it into GameStop. They said, they'll give you a quarter. I took it into Babbage's. They said, they'll give you 50 cents. I took it into a local chain called um, Hastings that was only in Texas at the time. And they said, hey, $7. (laughs) The next time, the next, I couldn't even drive at the time. Next time my parents went into town, I bought 100 copies of NFL 2K1. Over the next few few weeks, I would go to different uh, Hastings because they wouldn't let me pull in and sell all of them at once. That would be hilarious. So if you walk in, they're like, excuse me, sir, why do you have 100 new copies of (laughs) I made made $700 off of. Dreamcast games that may never have been sold until the, the company went out of business. You are responsible um, for the death of small business, Mike. That's that's the thing. It's you entirely have your, possible you have that, that I am art. because that store does not exist anymore. Yeah, uh, good job. Non flying thing in the chest says it's capitalism. Capitalism, <laughs> baby. Capitalism. It's the glory of capitalism. I don't. I don't oh, have to endorse God. the system to participate. Well, hey, you know what? Uh, I'll, I, I, I grant everyone here watching us uh, uh, get this get this podcast. Uh, you know, try to trade it into to games stop and, and get your full oh, money's worth no. uh, sorry alerted yeah. it's like yeah. adam on the blacklist now adam behind the cash Ooh. register do yeah. not serve yeah oh man you know I'm hey surprised they didn't have a thing like that honestly yeah. uh, hey no it, it was it was it like it was on the i remember because the first time i read the receipt it said that 
it said it right on the receipt. You could return it within seven days and no questions asked. So I was like, all right. Because of my name, I used to get um, emails for a manager of a Central Florida Popeye's, like the like the all the Popeye's chicken chains in Central Florida. <laughs> Somebody said, said put my email address in the go send the reports here form. Oh, nice! And they had they had alerts occasionally that would go out about people that would come to Popeye's and then do things like intentionally spill hot beans on themselves and complain about burns to get free. Yeah, so oh, Adam, you're on that. You're that. on the manager no, list. No, I'm not doing that. that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. It, it was, yeah. it was, it was yeah. right now. Yeah, was like, not doing that. Anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> he's retired. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm retired. I, I get plenty of money now that uh, I can dump into keyboards, custom keyboards. So yeah, uh, oh, this is not even a Wednesday uh, podcast. Yeah, not <laughs> even a Wednesday doing, podcast. We're already doing Confession yeah. Tuesdays. Yeah. <laughs> confession Tuesdays. There we go. It's a new new segment. Confession Tuesdays. Happy uh, Wednesdays. Confession yeah. Tuesdays. Don't ask me about me play i probably put that coming out of business um yeah. anyway uh we need to wrap it up lots of good questions we'll, we'll save it for for next week the the last question i do have is from friend of the show uh milo hayek uh what's going on said uh hey uh do we have anything special planned for episode 300 great question answer is no <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> we, we, we should not yet we should not yet we should uh, we do not have anything planned yet. Uh, thank you for asking because I need peek to behind that. the curtain. We normally plan these in a Slack channel like One five hours time, before yeah. we go live. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, what are we talking about tomorrow? Yeah, so yeah. episode three hundred, big, you know, big episode. We we should plan something. So uh, yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll I'll talk to to Gordon too. Uh, so yeah. We'll figure it out. Anyway. You should tell him you want to do a musical podcast and let me know what he says. Yeah, well, he keeps wanting to do uh, uh, a music. Um, oh, God. Who's the person's over at... Uh, uh he he used to work with you guys and he's oh Dan musician. Emmerich yes Dan Emmerich Dan, yeah, Dan yeah. Cat yeah yeah yes. he does Palace Swap Ninja and um uh he did the he and he and Illusion. his wife and their partner did um, the um did the uh uh Sergeant Pepper's the Star Wars version of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band yep. called. Princess Leia's stolen Death Star plans, which is very good. <laughs> yeah, good. Gordon has used AI to uh, make a couple songs that he wants Dan to to come sing. So, oh, he's over at Digital Eclipse, right? <laughs> Digital Eclipse, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dan's so. Dan's great. He was at OXM for a long time yeah. and yes, Game Pro was. before that. Mm-hmm. Good guy. Uh, all right. Anyway, yep. Uh, let's get out of here because I'm hungry. Uh, hungry. Maybe go find a brisket sandwich. Just kidding. Go. No, not in San Francisco. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want your fix of PC Talk, uh, tune in next week for The Full Nerd. Uh, it'll be on a Tuesday, probably, just like this one. Uh, if you if you want to listen to us on the go or uh, after hours, meaning not live, uh, go to subscribe to us over on Apple Podcasts, uh, Pocket Casts, uh, Spotify, uh, YouTube Music, wh- wherever you can point your RSS feed to. Uh, hopefully we're on there. And every time you do, uh, one of us gets to go visit a Bucky's. Uh, I want the whole crew to, you know, we should do a live episode from Bucky's. I'm throwing it down. That's what we need to do. That's my goal. Well, we said we we're going to do a road trip. Yeah, so we should, we should yeah. go all the way to, you know, Texas, <laughs> to Texas. From LA and then to Texas. <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a much bigger road trip uh, to include Texas uh, as part of that. But yes, no, we should do an <laughs> episode live from Bucky's. Uh, I need to I need to get that happening. Uh, any, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, what's the end of that? Uh, oh, yeah. So I want to thank the, thank the people from... Uh, you know who the the full house we had uh, here talking to us. Uh, thank you, Brad, for for joining us. Uh, always good to have you. 
No problem. Adios, Joe. Uh, uh, Elena, thank you for uh, for coming and, and humoring us uh, with our commas. Um, so next time when we have a crew like this, I'm going to need a beard so I actually fit in. You should. Yeah. Yeah. I have to loan one out. Yeah. And I need glasses. Get one of those Santa, Santa I've been beards. thinking about this since the beginning of the show. And actually somebody in the chat actually just said that they requested a bearded Elena for next show. <laughs> no, no. For episode 300. So I'm not the only episode one who had this thought. There you go. There you go. Uh, uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, also, you, you do some great work uh, over on the... Uh, over on the website, uh, I know you, you you come on the show every once in a while, but you, everyone should go be reading Mike's articles over on the website. Thank you, Mike. Oh, I'm actually the evil version of Mike. You can tell because I have the beard. Oh, nice. The, the good guy. He's the guy who does the keyboard reviews. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Will, uh, thank you for joining us. You, you will be uh, a regular guest on the, the podcast from now on, so... I'm excited. I'll be here next week. Foreseeable future. So yeah, yeah, you'll be here in person. Uh, I'm I'm excited to to have you in person too. So uh, good times. Oh no, for episode three. Oh, for episode three hundred, should I shave and Elena grows a beard? Uh, <laughs> mm, I don't know if I can sign off on this one. Uh, we'll see. Has the stream ever seen you without a beard, Adam? I mean, the Remember? closest was the goatee for uh, for Halloween, uh, but even then, I didn't fully shave the sides. So I just kind of. Anyway, oh yeah, mirror mirror universe. We should have episode three hundred be mirror universe. That would be hilarious. Uh, but nobody wants the good versions of all of us, though. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for watching, and uh, thank you, Willis, for running the show. Uh, take us out of here. All right, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, man, I just after t- Adam's confession, I'm here thinking who's going to play Adam in the new Netflix biopic of uh, the the cold GameStop, <laughs> you know, trading fiasco. Um, but uh you know let us know in in the comments drop it in uh yeah the the, the comments or uh discord let us know then that who should play adam patrick murray okay <laughs> thank you everyone have a good day bye <laughs>